Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking to Cheryl Strayed about mentorship. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we are so happy you are here today to talk about women and work because Kirsten and I want nothing more than each working woman to have ease, meaning, and joy. And lots of it. And lots of it. And we get to talk to Cheryl Strayed about this and so much more. In fact, today we are going to spend some time digging into this notion of mentorship and why having a mentor is so important for women, how to cultivate mentorship. And we get to hear hopefully some stories from Cheryl about how mentors have shaped her life. The data tells us that women benefit enormously from having a mentor. In fact, they actually benefit more than men do from having mentors. So this is a particularly important topic for women and work. And I can't think of, frankly, a better person to talk to us about mentorship than Cheryl Strayed. Yeah, because mentors come in all forms. And I think Cheryl has been a mentor to so many sort of personally, but her writing and her advice columns and her podcasts have done so much more. So folks, Cheryl Strayed has written several books, including Wild, Brave Enough, Torch, and Tiny Beautiful Things. You can hear her podcast. She has several. She has one called Dear Sugars, which is no longer being produced, but you can still find it. And and they are out there. I'm still listening to them. And she has a brand new one called Sugar Calling, uh, in which she actually dials up people she considers mentors, writers who are over the age of 60 and talks to them about their experiences during Really motivated by the pandemic and what their experience was and kind of how they were living their life. Yeah. Looking for mentorship. Absolutely. So she is a powerhouse and we are so excited to join, to have her join us. Frankly, I'm excited to join her too. We can hardly talk. We're so excited. I get myself tongue-tied. Should we call her? We're calling her. Let's call her up. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we're here. We're here with Cheryl Strayed, which is uh, phenomenal and amazing. And I, for one, am going to wet myself. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Cheryl, welcome. We are just delighted to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm thrilled to be here with both of you. Yeah. Please don't pee your pants, Karina. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) <laughs> my legs are crossed Karina but that it's was okay because you're wearing a diaper right <laughs> that's right okay so we're kicking it off uh, perfectly <laughs> to start with um, okay so, and so we're here not only just super excited to talk to Cheryl but to talk to Cheryl specifically about this notion of mentorship and how important it is and how to cultivate mentors and frankly why mentorship is so important for women and I think Cheryl, particularly, you are just this amazing mentor to so many people. Like, I don't know that you, I hope you realize the reach of your mentorship. I mean, I hope you, I sent your book, Brave Enough, to a friend of mine who has suffered just some big losses recently. And the way you are able to lift people is amazing. And so we are here with the expert to talk about mentorship. Well, and I love, too, that you're starting with that very broad definition of what a mentor is. And and that's, that's something that's been so important in, in my life is I think when we think of that word mentor, we often think, okay, it's the person who, you know, well, who sort of is at your side at various points along the way. And of course there are those kinds of mentors, but there are lots of mentors you've never even met people who inspired you or who showed you the way or who modeled something for you. 
or illuminated something for you, those, those are really powerful mentors. Yeah. And I would also say, um, so Kirsten and I were talking about this earlier about our own definition of mentorship. And I was thinking, you know, for me, the, somebody who's willing and able to give honest feedback to is so, is so important. And so not only someone who's gonna advise and, and help or show you what's possible, but also take a hard, like help you take a hard look at yourself. And for me personally, that's been a pretty, it's been a pretty big thing. What about you? I love the way, Cheryl, you talked about that, where you find mentorship, because I view it's like the mentorship buffet, right? And there's all sorts of people in my life out there who I can talk to about, whether it's mothering or work or family or spouse or whatever it is. There's how do I figure out how there's something I want to do in the community politically. It is like a buffet of mentorship for me. I don't have that one person that you started out with, like as you talk about thinking about it differently. Um, I do have that buffet. And for me, like I have found that those folks kind of light, they put a, uh, they, light the path. they light the path with their flashlight. That's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. And also, I think that they tell you or they convey to you what it is you're capable of. They kind of sometimes show you inside yourself what's there that you might not have known. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite things that mentors do for me. Yeah. And sometimes it's showing you your potential and your power and your intelligence and your strength and your beauty. And sometimes Karina, as you said, it's somebody who's giving you honest feedback. That's actually difficult to hear that somebody who says, you know, I know you can do better than this, that this isn't enough, or you're defeating yourself by repeatedly making the same mistakes or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I I think that, uh, you know, honest feedback can be both affirming and inspiring and loving, and then also corrective. And, you know, I I think we need both of them. I love, I love the idea, Kirsten, of the the buffet, because I know I've certainly had a buffet in, of, of mentors in my life. And sometimes it was only in retrospect that I could identify somebody as a mentor. I didn't, when I was younger, didn't always recognize a mentor when I had one. And then I grew up and thought, wow, I learned so much from that person. When you were younger, did you feel like you needed mentors? I personally thought I had all my shit together and figured out. I mean, it was like only in my 30s and 40s did I realize. Oh, and I was the exact opposite. Maybe- I didn't think I could do anything without a mentor. And I was at sea until I found one. Really? And of course, never found one. So realized I had to kind of figure out a different way of doing it. Yeah, me. I was like, yeah, I got to figure it out. I, until maybe into my 40s. I'm curious about you, yeah. Cheryl. Well, what I'm curious first is when did each of you even learn about mentors or learn what a mentor was? So for me, once I decided I wanted to go into the law, probably I decided very young, like at 10, which is, you know, what does that even mean? But when I was in high school, I still wanted to do it. And I do today as well. But that was the first time I wanted somebody to help me figure out how it is you became a lawyer. So I would say Uh I was late in high school and it was very specific. I wanted a guide to help me figure out how to be a lawyer. Right, right. And by the way, I did not find that person. Yeah. Okay. Just as an aside. But you had a sense that there was maybe that somebody out there. Right. That could be possible. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No. And I think what I just said there was true. Um, I think it was my final, like the, I took a big leap into leadership and ran a nonprofit for seven years. And when I moved into that executive director role, 
I accepted it only with the sort of a caveat that I could invest in finding a leader, uh, like a mentor, somebody to help me do it. And that was truly, that was in my uh, early 40s. And, and it was, again, for something very specific. Like I, was, I needed someone to help me understand how to do my job. So it was very work specific as well. In thinking about it now, I realize I, realize I lean on mentors to help me figure out what it, like motherhood and, you know, work-life balance and even like healthy, like a great recipe. So, so now I've found this rich, um, much, See, we're back to my, buffet. yeah, much more rich relationship with women, women specifically who help me sort of actualize my potential and, and also kind of, you know, be a better, be a better human. But what about you, Cheryl? Yeah, I would say that my first mentor who I really, can very much identify as a mentor is a writer named Paulette Bates Alden. And I met her when I was an undergraduate at the University of Minnesota, majoring in creative writing and women's studies. And I and I wanted to be a writer. And of course, you know, every career path is complicated in its own way. And one of the ways that that the career path of an artist is complicated is you really have to figure out not just, I mean, there isn't a direct route to what we consider success. You can be a really great writer and finish your book and nobody wants to publish it. And so, you know, it's different than like, if you're in, you know, in law school, you can be pretty sure you're going to come out and be able to find a job. Right. And as a writer, you do not know if you will have any sort of external success. And so what I was looking at when I was really, um, first met Paulette, she was my teacher, you know, not only how did, how did she make a career, but how did she make a life? You know, how do you keep faith with writing, even when you are constantly being rejected, or it's very difficult to actually earn money doing it, or that those, those things are realities, not to be defeatist, but just realities, I think any artist, not just writers, but any artist has to face and still find a way to move forward and have a sense of success and achievement. And so I think about Paulette, you know, she, she did that thing, Karina, I, I'll, I'll never forget one of the first sto- short stories I wrote. Paulette was sitting in her office and she had given me feedback and she had said it was really strong and she really loved it. And I was so excited. And she looked at me and she said, well, listen, I'm not saying it's the best story I've ever mm. read. Mm. Huh. And it was like gulp. And, and what I realized is she was saying to me, for what, for where you are in your career, you've done a good, you've made good work and you have a long way to go to get to the place where you're, you know, on the pages of the New Yorker or whatever. Right. And that was a wonderful, loving truth telling. And I think that that was one of the things, you know, I knew she did it with kindness. And you know, that was one of the things that made me really feel like, okay, she is somebody who cares enough about me to tell the truth. And she, she both encourages me and, and also inspires me to do better. And so she was really, I think the the first mentor who I could see, you know, she had my back, you know, to just sort of use a, a phrase. Like, I think that that's that feeling of somebody who's further down the path than you are, who, who cares about your well-being and your success. That, that to me is the sort of base baseline of that kind of in-person mentor. Um, and, and I've had different others along the way, but Paulette was the first. You know, I, the thing about that that is so interesting to me is this idea of loving, of love. 
I have had somebody give me very hard feedback. I have my a very good friend of mine, and I've said this on the air before. I've not said this. This is the second time I've talked about this because it was so kind of pivotal in my life. But somebody who loved me so much basically said to me, Kirsten, you are lying in this part. I, I can't, I actually come to her and said, Hey, I, you know, I think I'm having some trouble with this. I think I might not be telling myself the truth about this. I think I'm lying about this. And I remember she looked at me with this beautiful smile on her face and she said, Oh, Kirsten, of course you are. Like, and it was the affirmation with so much love, so much kind of embracing and also recognizing, I felt that not only did she recognize and point out and validate my own sense of this is this is a bad, this is bad, but there was this other kind of embracing of, and it can be different. Like, I felt like that was my best moment of mentorship in my life, holding those yeah. two things, that terrible pain and that big possibility. It was like, that's like the mentorship on steroids, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And it sounds like, I mean, and again, it's the, it's exactly what we described in the beginning. It's this somebody who can shine a light, someone who comes at you with, with love, with caring, who obviously is invested in your success in some way, but also has some wisdom to give, some advice, some, some, some assistance or help. I mean, I told you that story about my dad, kind of the same thing. Yeah. I, when I was 16, I was a terrible, I was a terrible teenager. I mean, I was just a really, you know, on the outside, I was successful, but, you know, I was turmoil and um, not nice to my family. Very, very not nice to my, that very not nice. Is that how you say it? So not bad. So nice. not bad. Nice. Very bad. And uh, my dad pulled me aside and with tears in his eyes said, I love you. I love you, love you, love you, love you to death, but I don't like you. You're not nice to be around. Like you need, you need to like, you need to figure this out. You've, you've become somebody who is no longer pleasant to be around. And again, it's that honest feedback with unconditional somebody who love. Loves you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, deeply about yeah. You. I mean, but however, there are these other versions. And I think you said it in the beginning, Cheryl, of mentors. That they aren't even alive. They just model or you yeah. don't even know them necessarily, but they just model a different way. And I think especially now, um, God, I'm looking for that. I am looking for that everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they, that sometimes it's just honestly the mere fact that they exist. When I was a teenager, I was living in Northern Minnesota. I grew up and uh, my family was working class and really on the poor side of that. We struggled a lot. I didn't have access to a lot of resources and I didn't really, there was nobody around me saying like, wow, you're, you're going to be an amazing writer. And, and I didn't even really know that people wrote books. And I mean, I knew people wrote books, but they were all dead is what I mean. Sure, yeah. I didn't know that like actual people among us. And one of the first and most important moments, I think, in, in my life is I subscribed to Ms. Magazine. And one day I got the magazine in the mail and there was a story on Joyce Carol Oates. Yeah. I had never heard of Joyce Carol Oates at that time, I, but I read this story about her and I was like, there is a woman who is writing books. And just that opened a door for me in a kind of way. Obviously, she, you know, it's, it's a tiny, tiny drop of mentorship, but it was enough to kind of like open the door of it. And then later, years later, when I really was becoming a writer and really studying the craft, craft of writing, um, Alice Monroe, um, the Canadian short story writer who won the Nobel Prize for Literature, she became really, she's my favorite writer and has been for since I was like 20. And I consider her a powerful mentor. I have never met her. But she has been so important to me because of the work she's done. And I have paid such close attention 
to how she has done the work she's done, that, that she's a really important figure in my life. And I've never met her. And she's been a model for how you work. Yeah. She modeled to me what was possible. And this, this is where we get into it. So this is why it's so important that we have racial diversity, that we have gender diversity, that we have economic diversity, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we, you know, we know that, you know, I love that, that photograph of, of, uh, President Obama and he's bending down and yes. that young boy is touching his head. He, like when we we know that when we can see someone like us doing what we hope to do someday, it'll it it, it reinforces and inspires our own dreams. And and it that's why it's so important because we are always modeling for the people who come behind us. It's when you, that happened to me several times when I was in law school, seeing women doing things, seeing women as partners. When I first came to Bellingham, I think there was only one or two other female partners in town. Wow. But it's that same thing. When you see people who can do it, you go, oh, I can do that too. It just makes it, I guess that's the whole point of mentorship. It eases your way. It opens possibilities. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it really does for us. Cheryl, can you hear Roxy, who's um, <laughs> Karina's dog. dog, drinking water? She's a darling yeah, dog. Can. Yeah, she's super cute. This is the thing I love about podcasts. making podcasts in the pandemic, <laughs> is nobody can go away from whatever no. terrible home situation they have. Okay, so I want to go back to this notion, though, about sort of women role models and seeing women do the work that we want to do. I mean... I, I, I think we've all experienced that. I think I think any woman who's paying attention is is rec- is starting to recognize now um, there are more and more and more and more of us doing things more publicly and and opening doors, mm-hmm. and and again in effect this is a form of mentorship. Um, you know, no longer is you throw like a girl an insult because we have phenomenal athletes who show that you can right. throw like a girl and be a badass at the same time, yeah. you know? So we have wonderful examples of people um, doing phenomenal work that we can see, but we are also mentors mm-hmm. ourselves. Like we are also role models. My consulting business, a lot of what I do is mentor and lift up my clients, help them kind of see their path and support them in their work. As an attorney, I know that's the same experience for you. And I'm going to assume, especially given um, your work and your success, and then obviously what you're doing all the time. Yeah, you're doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting to me that we are now of that age and in some cases sort of of that status to be providing that very role model. I'm curious kind of how that feels to you and if there are any stories or experiences that you've kind of, that, that come to mind as a, being a mentor yourself. When, when I think of myself, the ways that I'm a mentor, it's like, as you were talking, I, I actually had a visual, a, a map came into my mind and it's like, I'm at this, you know, I'm the center, you know, little circle and then there are these concentric circles that come out. And so the different ways that I mentor um, are represented in the, each of those concentric circles. The, the outer circle would be the people I'll never meet, but who have read my work or seen something I've posted on social media or, you know, and they take some heart from it. And sometimes it's a small thing where they think, okay, uh, this gives me courage. And sometimes it's a big thing, like people who write to me and say, I read this and it changed my life. I, you know, quit my job. I 
leapt into a relationship or left one, you know, wh- whatever it is, it changed my life. So that, that kind of mentorship, that distant men- mentorship that can be incredibly powerful. And then of course I teach writing mm-hmm. and I would say my writing workshops are every, but that, you know, I teach writing craft, but I think the most important piece probably of anything anyone's ever learned from me as a writer has to do with this, this very thing we're talking about this. How do you go on? Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you do this? And keep your that that inner voice of of criticism from overtaking you and giving up. Like, how do you persist against the odds? I think that that is what I give to a lot of my students who take my classes. Uh, that that sense of like, I really genuinely believe we all can. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there are the people who are in that inner circle who are people I actually do mentor very directly in different ways. There's a young woman I've known for maybe. 10 or 15 years now. And I just, I met her and I liked her and I wanted, she wanted to be a writer. And I said, you know, I encouraged her. And then when wild had some success and I had some money, just one day I just decided to, to write her a check and I wrote her a check for a a lot of money and I put it in an envelope and I mailed it to her Mm. because I knew that for me, one of the barriers had been you know, having time to write because I was always having to earn money. Sure. And another, other people who are close mentors of mine are people who, you know, all like I, I, I really have a more one-on-one relationship with them when it comes to the book they're working on or the work they're doing or um, the conversations we might have that they need some help along that way that they get stuck or they need some advice about finding an agent or finding somebody to make you know, the movie in Hollywood or whatever it is, like that kind of very practical advice. And so I, I think like, it's like the buffet, the way that we eat from the buffet mm-hmm. in the mentors in our lives as mentors ourselves, we give that range of help to others. And, I, you know, I think it's one of the most important things that I do as a person. Yeah. When I was, um, teach, I teach um, writing and after Wild was successful, you know, for before Wild was successful, I love to teach, but I had to teach for money because it's one of the ways that writers earn their living. Sure, sure. And then after Wild success, I I didn't need the money from teaching really, but I loved it because I love being a mentor. And I realized when when I was really trying to examine, like, well, why am I doing this? You know, it's such little pay for the work you put in. And I realized that that it was that this this version of mentorship, this version of of my service essentially to the literary community felt like a spiritual practice to me it felt like i was making people's hearts stronger mm-hmm. so that they could do the the work they needed to do as writers it was you know that of course we have to have strong minds to be writers but you also have to have a strong heart and the kind of love i was giving in the form of that teaching and mentorship felt spiritual to me felt like a contribution to who we are it's, I think when you've just articulated that what feels like to me, which is basically your ministry in the world, right? Mm-hmm. How is it that I create meaning, not just in myself, but you found all these different ways. I, and this is, okay, I'm going to fangirl you a little bit mm-hmm. because I just have to. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm an Eng- I was an English major. And I just don't understand how anybody figures out to, how to live life without being an English major. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
how do you figure that out if you haven't read all those books to know about all those experiences and see how people manage them? I just don't know how you guys are making it without reading <laughs> all of those books, right? I'm with you, Kirsten. I feel sorry for the people who I know. Not. I'm like, how are you I, figuring? I was an English major. I mean. <laughs> but when you talked about, um, you know, writers are our mentors, right? I mean, a very fundamentally, it's how we figure things out and, you know, work our way through the world. Maybe it's, you know, Sapiens, or maybe it's a Malcolm Gladwell book, or, you know... Um, maybe it's a Cheryl Strayed book. And absolutely, it's a Cheryl <laughs> Strayed book. But the point is, I think, is that mentorship is part of that grand buffet that is before us. So I'm making a plug to our listeners, get out there and read particularly Cheryl Stray. Yeah. And also seek out these relationships. And I yeah. think what you were just saying, you know, you, these people are finding you and uh, engaging with you in a writer's workshop or in some cases, you know, as, a, as friends. And I think, you know, how to cultivate a relationship with a mentor is also something I'm very curious about. I mean, you tried, you've tried it unsuccessfully. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it for me is, you have to be ready for it. You have to be open to feedback. You have to recognize and frankly crave that seek. kind of relationship it mm -hmm. or it's not going to be effective and, and or you're not going to find it. And I, you know, I speak from experience, right? Like I didn't think I needed anybody's help until finally I was confronted with something that scared the crap out of me. And then I, and now I love it. Now I want that. I want that. I crave that. But I'm really curious kind of what you guys think you women think about, um, about that. Like what, how do you cultivate a, how do you cultivate those relationships? What do you need to do? What do you need to be? How do you, how do you best kind of move into that place where you're able to receive, where you're able to find those, those people, you know, and, uh, you know, and I think I'm talking specifically to kind of those more one-on-one -on -one relationships and not the buffet, not the, you know, yeah, the one-on-ones. That is such a great question. And it's one I've thought about a lot because maybe once a month, I'll get an email from somebody who will say, you know, I'm so-and-so and I'm an aspiring writer and this is my background and I want a mentor and will you be my mentor? And that never, I've never yeah, that replied. Does not really, yeah. I've never replied and said yes. Cause it, it's, it's, it's a little, it's, it's awkward. It's yeah. like, it has to happen a little more organically um, everyone I've either, you know, when it comes to the direct mentorships, everyone I've either been mentored by or, or have mentored, we we met in a, an organic way. I took their class. I was enrolled in their graduate program or their college class, or I uh, attended one of their workshops or they attended one of mine, or we met in a literary circle, you know, that, and then a connection developed over time. And like I said earlier, lots of times it wasn't, you know, from the start, like, wow, now I've met my mentor. Yeah. It was, it, it, it grows over time and you realize, oh, there is a, there is a kind of mentoring relationship at work here. And I do think that what's complex about that is I'm always mindful of access. Like, okay, so who doesn't, we, we know that the old boys network has been so powerful over time because of this very thing I described, like, you know, that you're in the club and one thing leads to another and then you're connected and you help each other out. Exactly. And so what happens, you know, to people who, who kind of feel like they can't get that into meeting somebody, even getting to the place where that organic relationship would grow. 
And, you know, what I say to that, I can speak to my industry. I want to hear about both of you as well, is the, the good thing about, about the literary world is, you know, you don't really have to pay a lot. You don't have to pay anything to have access. You, you start showing up at the poetry reading at your local cafe. And then there's going to be the cool star poet who's there every night. And you're like, I want to know you. Or you you take a class that you could very often do for very little money or free or apply for a scholarship or save up that hundred bucks it costs. And then you've met some, then you meet that teacher who's going to be able to offer you that. So, you know, I think that that it, part of cultivating that mentorship mentorship relationship is is really putting yourself out there too. And, and showing up rather than expecting someone to show up for you. So, you know, sending an email and saying, will you come to me is not enough. Go to them and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And look for something that's going to work. I will say in the law, that is exactly how you do it. If you are looking to meet other women lawyers, and I have had lots of mentors as women lawyers, just not one, right? But I did the exact same things you're talking about. I went to events for women lawyers, professional Mm -hmm. events, and I volunteered on things to figure out how to, you know, be around folks and learn from folks. It was the exact same way for me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Karina, what about you? Well, I worked Did you write the email? Say, would you be my mentor? Yeah, I just sent it to 100 people. And whoever said yes, I just took them. No, I, um, so my background was in environmental education and advocacy. And again, you know, working in a nonprofit, it's a very female driven, um, you know, just there are a lot, there were a lot of women, you know, so when I had finally kind of um, ascended to leadership and looked around and realized, yeah, I was running an organization that was primarily female, but in a in a community or in a culture where it wasn't, you know, I would be the only woman, the only person with a purse at the meeting, you know, and I realized I don't know how I, I'm looking to these men to sort of how to behave in this situation. And, and those guys taught me to like, do the power post to spread out. Like I started realizing I need to, to do my job. I need to be bigger. I need to be more confident. I need to, you know, dress like them or whatever. And it was only later that I, I think when I met you that I realized, oh, feminine and power can go together in a pretty, you know, effective fashion. And so I don't know, for, I guess what I'm saying is for me, access and finding strong women who, who were doing work in the way that I wanted was more mm-hmm. important than finding women who were doing the work that I was doing, if that makes sense. And um, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I also do love what you said, though, about, you know, you have to show up if you're in a position where you want to find someone to, to kind of help show help you see the way you can't do it from behind a computer, you really have to engage, you have to be open, and you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, that there are ways we as mentors can also help, you know, access, encourage access. So for example, in my own life, I'm asked to give a lot of talks at a lot of colleges and universities, and most of them are well enough funded that they can pay my fee and, you know, fly me there and all that sort of thing. Uh, But every once in a while, I'll be invited by a community college who doesn't have money to offer or whatever. And I always say, yes, I love, I love visiting community colleges. They, that's the time to show up, right? That that's is the, the time, time to, to show, show up, up as a mentor. Like, mm-hmm. just like you have to show up as a mentee in seeking a mentor. I think as a mentor, one of my obligations as a human is to, is to say, you know, I, I'm so excited 
to, to show people who don't have much opportunity to meet living writers. It was like, I go back to that young teenager living without indoor plumbing who saw that picture of Joyce Carol Oates and thought, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was possible. Mm -hmm. So I know that I've been that person to some of the people I've talked to in in various uh, venues, whether they be community colleges or basically places where, uh, you know, people with some economic diversity show up. Now, of course, you know, there are people of economic diversity at all, all the colleges. I don't mean to generalize, but I mean that there, there are certain places that I go that I am always happy to show up for because I do, you know, that's part of my mission is to, to tell everyone that they have the capacity to do this work. If it is their, if it is their calling. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find the, or do you feel like mentors are always older than you? No, I mean, it's interesting. I was thinking before we talk, because it's, of course, there's, it's, you know, there's a gray area. Like you just said, you're, you're, you have a mentorship relationship to some degree. Uh, I certainly have a lot of writing peers who I turn to uh, for comfort or uh, enlightenment or, you know, and they can be, you know, about my same age. The, the youngest person I called for sugar calling is my real life in-person mentor, George Saunders, who's, you know, he's like, 10 years older than me, you know? So it's not like I think of him as like, oh, so much older than me. You know, he's basically my, you know, in my age range, but just a slight bit further down the path. And then there are other people like Pam Houston here again. She's, she's about, I don't know, maybe six or seven years older than me. She's, she's a friend first. I don't think of her as, as my mentor, but when I need advice about certain aspects of, of, I don't know, with teaching and writing, She's a, she's a great person to turn to. So there's this little tinge, you know, it's a friendship that has a tinge sometimes of maybe we just call it shop talk, but, but there is a a bit of, a a bit of mentorship dynamic that can go on. And I know I can be that way to other, you know, some of my peers who are like, haven't had an experience that I've had as, as a professional and they want to hear my advice. Yeah. I think it's unusual to have a mentor, to have somebody mentor you who is younger than you. But at the same time, when we talk about the buffet of mentorship, there's so much that I don't know, I get from young people that enriches. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, so I do definitely get mentorship from them for sure. So Cheryl, I want to ask you a question, something that and I, I want to be sensitive to where we're in time. And I want to make sure I get this question because I've really been struggling with it. And I thought you're a good person to ask this question Mm -hmm. of. So many of the people that I have been mentored by or looked up to and kind of looked at their life and said, that's what I want to do. Um, let's see, um, Susan B. Anthony, Carrie Chapman Cat, Flannery O'Connor. There's these people who I find out after I develop my adoration and respect that as is you know appropriate with their time in some ways, but there's racism. There's some deeply held belief that you can tell from their writing or their speaking that they did not believe in equality. And I look at those people and I think to myself, I still want to call out from them the value. But how do I, I mean, I guess all of life is holding the tension well, but I really am struggling with those models that I've looked to, that I look back at and say, wow, I just realized they're racists or racist right. or racist behavior or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, I, th- I think 
I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, let's talk about the dark side of mentorship. Oh yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot under that, that umbrella, uh, you know, uh, there's the, the people, the right, you know, the activists, the writers, the thinkers, the historians, the scientists, the politicians, the attorneys, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the people who led nonprofits in all of our work, right. There are all these people who, you know, have been held up as sort of heroes of the age that we under, you know, in our age, under further scrutiny, see that they had some absolutely reprehensible beliefs. And, you know, for me, what I've decided to do is I say, okay, you know, a figure like Susan B. Anthony, I think that she, she served a a purpose. She did good work in in one area um, that, that really had lifelong, you know, that, that had huge impact. And you can value that at the same time that you say, but, you know, I don't hold her up as one of my idols anymore because, you know, I have a higher standard. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I see that she too was profoundly, deeply flawed. She was a woman of her times, but she was profoundly and deeply flawed. And I, I guess in some ways, like, you know, and that can happen to the, to the mentors who don't go on to be, you know, world famous, like Susan B. Anthony, people who we, who really in so many ways gave us something, gave us some wisdom, gave us some support, who then, you know, maybe sometimes also sexually harassed us or um, became emotionally kind of abusive and, 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 and gave the criticism that wasn't from love, but was from jealousy or wanting to hurt you or, you know, like that they're, that, that mentors can be as complicated as, I mean, mentors are as complicated as, as humans are. And so to be a mentor in my mind, isn't synonymous with being, you know, the, the ideal person, the perfect person, the idol it's being fully human. And what, what I think that, that what I try to do is take the beauty, take the good, take the, the wisdom from each person that I can and leave the rest behind. And sometimes that means leaving the relationship behind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means reordering, you know, your, in your mind, the people you admire the most or reordering who you invite into your sphere. You know, you might have a mentor who was great for you in your early twenties, who, who now, you, you know, you, you don't want to continue that relationship for any number of reasons. So I just think that embracing complexity and expecting that there is going to be uh, some, I guess, disappointment, um, you know, in this relationship that we do kind of sometimes tend to idealize. But I also like that you brought that up. I mean, sometimes those relationships are over. Yeah. For whatever reason. And Queen and I are always talking about that. When, when something doesn't work for you anymore, you need to make a change. And that's true with mentorship as well. I mean, those relationships may, for one reason or another, not work anymore. But it is true. Like when you talk about Susan B. Anthony, 15 years ago, I would have worn a Susan B. Anthony shirt, right? I'd be like, oh, cool. I would not do that today. And it's not because that you say, okay, Susan B. Anthony is all terrible. But what you have seen now is, you know, some really credibly uh, credible evidence of some deep, deep racism that she held. And you don't want to celebrate her anymore. You know, one other thing I brought up, my friend Pam Houston, the writer Pam Houston earlier. And when I first met her, I was a fan of her work. And then we became friends and we taught classes together and every workshops together. And I remember one time uh, her, she got some question from the class and she, she said, uh, the, the question was about like, well, 
you know, do sometimes your students become your friends? And she said, well, in, in order for, for, for somebody like that to become my friend, they have to kind of stop being my fan. Mm. Because what's going to happen is, you know, when you're somebody's fan, uh, they don't disappoint you. You know, yeah. <laughs> you think they're wonderful mm-hmm. and you hold them up high and you see them as, as some form of, if not perfection, close to that. But then when you become their friend, what you see is that they have all of these aspects and some of them annoy you or some of them disappoint you. And I think that that's, you know, that's a really sort of healthy transition for, for mentorships to go through that you might at the beginning of a mentorship really be like, there's this power dynamic where the the mentor is way up here and the mentee is learning everything. But then as that relationship evolves and it needs to evolve, Mm -hmm. you know, that you start to reveal more of the complexity of who you are, you know, and it does become something slightly different. I've had that happen with a very good friend of mine. I was definitely her mentor and we became friends. And now when she calls me for that mentorship advice, I'm always surprised. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. You know, I'm also surprised. You still need this from me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, when I said the dark side of mentorship, what I was thinking about is there are some people who really get very kind of high off this, that power mm-hmm. trip of like everyone looking up to them and thinking that they're the, the, the smartest one in the room. And I think that that can be really, you know, that that can't sustain itself for very long. And so if you're not going to be willing to, you know, like, I don't like that dynamic. I don't want to be worshipped. I want to be known. I want to be loved. But some people really like that, that the power they gain, that the power they feel by thinking that they're sort of guiding others. And I think that that's where it can get a little bit. Weird. It gets weird. Weird. It gets weird because the whole point of mentorship is not that energy. No, it's not. I'm getting some some power weird thing out of this. It's that I'm doing this because I care and want other humans experiences in this world to be better. Yeah, Yeah. it sounds like it's kind of back to what you both were saying, like that's your ministry. You know, when you can find someone who's approaching it in that way, it seems like it's a much more health, much more healthy relationship and meaningful. And I think something you said a minute ago too, Cheryl, made me think. You know, for for folks who are looking to develop these relationships, in addition to showing up, in addition to being vulnerable and honest, in addition to like knowing what you want to get out of something, you also have to recognize that you you can't, you shouldn't give your power away. Like a mentor or mentee relationship isn't about giving your power away. Mm -hmm. It's about it's 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 about receiving. Yeah. Um, and also being clear about what you want and what you don't want, which is, I think, you know, also something we talk about a fair bit, know what you want. Yeah. And I mean, that's it is like good boundaries, clear boundaries, uh, healthy boundaries are, are, are always important. And they're, and they, and they do not change in the mentee mentor relationship. And I guess I'm kind of saying this, I was going to say, well, because of course there's this long history in, in the, the, the writer's world of like the great male writer who mm-hmm. has the, yes. you know, and, and I was going to say like, oh, it's in the writer's world, but guess what? It's in every, it's in every world. I can tell you <laughs> it's, it's in the world. legal world as well. Absolutely. It's, very, it's everywhere. It's a very familiar trope. And I think that, you know, that's, that to me is kind of really distorted sometimes that mentorship mm-hmm. dynamic, like that sexual harassment and, and sort of a sexual predatory kind of practice has really in a lot of like, you know, a lot of people have been hurt by their mentors and specifically in that way. 
Mm-hmm. And that's more of that dark side. What yeah. I love, though, is your mentor is a man, right? Yeah. Your mentor yeah. is a man. Yeah. And I feel like I have mentor, and I've mentored uh, men, too. So, I mean, I think that that's what we've been talking about. A lot of what we've been referencing is how important it is to see other women doing what we wanted to do and modeling that for women coming up behind us. And I, but I also want to say, I have absolutely been mentored by men and really, really lovingly so and beautifully so. And, and I also am, I am a mentor to men. I think that, that, that we don't box ourselves up as women. And we say, no, when, when people say to me, your books have had such an impact on so many women around the world. I always bristle because I know that they're, they're trying to praise me, but I also know the truth of it is, is it's, it's my, my books have not had impact just on women. Mm -hmm. That a lot of men, a lot of men have read my books and written to me and told me that I've had an impact on them as well. And I think that that is, you know, when we think about women and mentorship is stepping into that, that circle where we're saying, yeah, the people I'm reaching back to are not just people like me. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really anyone who sees themselves in me. Do you have any final, uh, anything that you didn't get to say, Cheryl, that you want, that you're dying to say? Gosh, let me think. Let me think. Oh, yeah. Well, you've mentioned this a few times, I think, Green, along the way, both of you. It, you know, we've, we've really kind of focused in on professional mentors. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that, as a mother. Oh yeah. And you know, that, that parenting mentors have been so really important too. And, and not just, you know, obviously when I was, when I had babies and then toddlers, I was just like, what do I do? What do I do? I I have no idea. I honestly didn't know what to do to a baby. (laughs) And you know, the baby teaches you how to have a baby. Yeah. But I I wouldn't have made it through without the other mom. Isn't that the truth? Like, how do you learn how to parent unless you're watching other people parent? Yeah. And it's true all along. So I have two teenagers now. My daughter's going to be 15 next month. I actually actually think you said that when is this coming out? My daughter's going to be 15 on October 22nd. So she'll. Same birthday as my middle kiddo. Wow. Oh, really? And then my. My son is 16. So I have an almost 15 year old and a 16 year old and, um, super exciting times, super exciting times. Do I ever need, like I went on a walk with my friend Bridget and I was like, my daughter is screaming at me that she hates me. And I'm just like thinking, am I the only mother on the planet who has a kid who's screaming, (laughs) I hate you. And I'm like, she was like, Oh no, all the time. Like so-and-so and so-and-so she's so-and-so. telling me all these stories of, and I'm, I love everyone who has a teenager who, who hates them <laughs> because it makes me feel not so alone. And that is a kind of mentorship too. Yeah. Because basically it's like, how do I live? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. How, what is the way? And that is powerful mentorship. It's powerful medicine. When somebody says, I did this, I lived through it. You can too. Yeah, sure is. Absolutely. You know, I spent a lot of time in preparing for this show, just being grateful for all of, I kind of culled back through all my mentors and thought, oh, who were they? What did they do? How did they change my life? And um, it was like such a grateful experience. I did some gratitude practicing, which was wonderful. And um, I just want to say thank you. We are Mm -hmm. really grateful for this time with you. Um, 
grateful for the mentorship that you give to so many people in all of your circles with that stone in the pond and out go those ripples. So many thanks to you for being here with us and talking about this. Um, I can't wait for our listeners to listen. Why are you whispering? Because it's so exciting. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I've really enjoyed talking to both of you. This is such a deep and interesting subject. And I'm really glad you're doing the work you're doing on the podcast and exploring so many issues, but this one in particular. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 